0: all the time let's put our hands together and give God praise this morning I want to thank the Lord for our adult choir this morning would you say amen, amen. who shall not fear thee O Lord and glorify your name and we give God praise for that message in the song today is a great day to be at Glenville isn't it God is about to do some spectacular things in our midst over the next few weeks, and we're just flat out excited about it. Yes. Is there anybody else out there that's excited about what God is going to do? I, uh, I want to first begin, for those of you who don't know, we are preparing to go into a season of evangelism, and our, our focus is 40 days focused on what, everybody? Yeah, 40 days focused on family. And um, I got a testimony that I want to share with you very quickly before we get into the word today. Uh, Ashley Rushton, is she here today? I know she went out passing out flyers. Most of y'all, pardon me? They're still gone. Um, most of you guys know who Ashley is. Last year, we, uh, we, we stepped out uh, and, and tried something new. Yeah, we... Uh, Decided to take church outside. Amen. And we dressed down. Yes, Lord. For real. Right. Dressed down. Yeah. And uh, it was not just to be cool church, but it was an attempt to follow the example of Christ when he said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Come on, say amen. <laughs> and by the grace of God, we serviced over 500 families last year for the glory of God. This year, by the grace of God, we are trying to service. 1,000 families, and I want to thank God for all of you uh, who have stuffed book bags with school supplies. And how many, how many, been already at the stores trying to figure out this thing has changed, hasn't it? These kids need a whole lot more than they used to need back in the day. Back in the day, all you needed to take was a, note, a notepad and, some, and a pencil, and you was good to go. Come on, say amen. Uh, now, now that thing has that thing has gotten complicated, and I want to thank all of you. For your uh, commitment and your sacrifice, some of you sponsored book bags. I was so glad to hear yesterday we had a physician over at Cleveland Clinic who heard what we were doing, said, give me 30 book bags. I'm going to fill them and I'm going to send my son over here to volunteer. So I just want you to know God is good. Come on, say amen. And so, I I mean, people on the outside are getting caught up about what we're doing. I just hope that those of us on the inside are caught up on what's what's about to happen. I want to just bear testimony very quickly to show you, and I'm going to try not to get emotional, to show you what God does when we come out of our comfort zones and seek to minister to people. Look, I love worship just as much as anybody else, but when I look at the life of Christ, he did a whole lot more than just have church on Sabbath. He met people's needs. Come on in here, somebody. And he's still meeting needs. Yeah, thank God he works on Sabbath. Can you imagine if God took off on Sabbath? <laughs> come on in here, somebody. And so last year, we, we, we went outside and we did our thing. And there was a young lady, Ashley Rushton. She was pregnant at the time and homeless. And she walked up on our premises just because she saw us outside. How many know if we weren't outside, she wouldn't have come up in here? She had already told us that. But she saw us outside. She saw something different. She felt loved. And the love didn't stop there. The love continued. And, I just and of course, she, she had her son, Zion, whom, was de- whom she dedicated to the Lord. She is a committed worker in the youth ministries program. reason why she's not in here right now is because she's out there passing out tracks and flyers in the community. But, but I found out yesterday, Ashley was a high school dropout, pregnant and homeless. And she called me yesterday and told me that she got her GED this week. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Yo, look, this is what I'm talking about. I feel like thirty thousand dollars is worth one person whose son might be a preacher. You don't know. Who might end up preaching and saving twenty thousand. You just don't. This is why God is calling us to come out of a common course of things. And start doing a new thing in the lives of people. Church cannot be about us. The longer church is about us, the longer we'll be down here. Come on, say amen. I don't know about you. I don't want to live in hell and die and go to hell. Come on in here, somebody. This thing is all about helping other people. And when that sister told me that, I was just so excited. She's already got plans to go to college. And I'm telling you, this is why we do what we do. Come on in here. Let's give God some praise in here today. And so Morette Brown Clark is just icing on the cake. I'm glad she's coming. She'll be here Wednesday. Praise God. Wonderful spirit. Beautiful person. At the end of the day, and I told Marette on the phone, I said, listen, honey, this is what we're doing, and this is why you're here. She says, I like the vision. That's why I'm coming. The, the issue is it ain't about a concert we just believe when folk come up in here they'll hear the vision they'll see where we're going and seeing that this thing is more than about worship but this thing is about helping people yeah and so by the grace of God we're hoping that in the next seven days we will have ministered to over 1500 to 2000 people in the next few days come on in here somebody come on in here somebody so this afternoon, immediately following service, if you want to volunteer and we need volunteers, if you want to participate and help us make this thing happen over the next couple of days, we need your help. We need as much folk as we can get to help us do this. I'm going to preach in a second, but I just need to let y'all know this. We just invite you very briefly after the service for 30 minutes. How many minutes did I say, everybody? I mean, in just 30 minutes, we're just going to put you in your teams where you can volunteer so that when, when Wednesday comes, we are more than prepared to receive those that are coming to our church. How many of you actually heard the, uh, ad, the ad on the radio on 1300 and 93.1 is still going on? And we thank God for that. And, we, and the Lord gave us a Holy Ghost hookup on that. So Amen. we just thank God for all that he is doing. So immediately after the service, if you want to participate in this thing, help us, help us at all in this thing. We invite you to just stay for a few minutes. Amen. Amen somebody? Yes. Amen somebody? Amen somebody? Praise the Lord. And then this evening at 6:45, the women in worship will be having their concert. Praise the Lord somebody. And we want to invite you to come and worship with them. Michelle, would you just play a little bit of God has smiled on me? Let's stand to our feet as we get into the word. Let's stand on our feet as we get into the word today. But before we do, let's just sing a little song to Jesus just to let him know how good he's been. Amen. How many know God has smiled on you? Uh, Come on in here. How many know God has smiled on you? Let's just get into his presence this morning and just honor him. Ah, God has smiled on me. He has set me free. God has smiled on me. He's been singing God has smiled on me sing God has smiled smile on me anybody been set free He has set me your head back and just sing to the lord god god has yes you have smiled on me he he has said hallelujah God, Father God, right now, I'm just asking for the special presence of the Holy Spirit. God, we have have gone through so much hell where we can't afford to just get a good word. God, we we need something that's going to make a difference in our lives. Not when we leave here, we need it right now. (laughs) So Father, I'm just praying that that through the teaching of the scriptures, that in fact what God said would happen when the word of God is preached, you said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, God, we're asking right now that in fact faith would happen in the lives of your people. And God, we're listening not for Edmunds, we're listening for the Holy Ghost. And so, whatever He says, we we surrender ourselves to that word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. And Amen. Remain standing. Go with me in your Bibles. If you don't, I got my iPad up here. I got a notepad up here and I got notes because when I came up in here, my iPad had 22% on it. I forgot to charge it. So we're going to work with it as long as we can. Come on, say amen. amen. Go with me now to 1 Samuel. I want to go to verse, 1 Samuel today as a passage of scripture. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. Uh, what book did I say, everybody? 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And I just want to read just a few passages in verse 1, as we prepare to look at uh, our subject today, No Child Left Behind, part 4. No Child Left Behind, part 4. Those of you who've been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been digging in this thing. So last week was part 2, so if you're trying to figure out where part 3 went, it was on Wednesday night. Come on, say amen. And so if you want to get any of the other parts, you got to show up on Wednesday night too. Just don't show up when Moret comes. Amen, somebody. Yes, indeed. First Samuel chapter 1 and, uh, and verse 1 And the Bible reads thusly from the New International Version, the Bible says there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, God bless that brother with a name like Zuth, and uh, and, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. Did y'all hear that? Uh, How many wives did he have, everybody? Uh, The brother had two wives. Now, you will discover that he was a Levite. The preacher had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Now, the story gets more interesting. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship with his two wives and sacrifice to the Lord almighty at Shiloh. Some of us still going to worship with some stuff we don't got no business having. Where Hophni and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the, the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice or to worship, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah. He gave a, a double portion because he loved her, and, and the Lord and and watch this down. The Lord had closed her womb. Help me, Lord. verse six says, and because the Lord had closed her womb, uh, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Is anybody got an, irri- an irritant in your life? <laughs> the Bible goes on to say, help me, Jesus. This went on a year. After year, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Anybody got a year after year irritant up in this place? The Bible says that whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And listen, y'all, all this is happening. Stay here. All this is happening in church. Elkanah, her husband, said would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And I'm like, Negro, you, I mean, <laughs> like, how are you going to ask that <laughs> with your other wife? Amen, somebody. Uh, don't I mean, men can be very naive sometimes. Help us, Lord. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? It ain't about you. Somebody say it's not about you. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli, can I read the text, everybody? Just stand for a minute. The Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will, if you, if you, if you will only look upon your servant's misery, ah, help me God, and remember me. Anybody praying that today? And not, and not come on Jesus, and not forget your servant, but, 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 but God, thank you, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all Now ah, that's That's what I want to preach on right there. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Look at 12. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Verse 13 says Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long would you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Isn't it amazing how people always assume you're as wicked as they are? Come on in here. Verse 15. Not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring My soul out to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. (laughs) I have been praying. That's about the fifth time we saw that word there. I have been praying. I'm talking about prayer. I've been praying. I'm talking about prayer. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now go to verse 21. When the man Elkanah. Went up, I'm almost done, with all of his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow. Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he he will live there always. Father, do your thing. Amen. Be seated. All right. Now, 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 now. We have been... We've been getting in. Anybody excited about the word today? We, we've been studying this. Uh, okay, we, we, we're, we're trying through the book of Judges, which is a weird book. I mean, strange stuff goes down in the book of Judges. Uh, read it when you get a chance. All kind of stuff goes down there. But, but Judges, hear me now, and uh, you got to understand this to understand where we're going. Judges simply presents to us the picture of what life is like when God is not the king of your life. And the, and, the, and the phrase you will see often in the book of Judges is this. There was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That phrase is used about five times. Stay here in the book of Judges. Simply, parenthetically, Samuel, who is the writer of the book of Judges, we believe, Samuel, who we're going to talk about in a minute, Samuel is simply saying to us the reason why God's people are steeped in Canaan. Their job was to move the Canaan out, Canaanites out. But because they had tolerated Canaan and had gotten comfortable in making it in Canaan, the Bible says Canaan was not pushed out, but Canaan got in them. To the extent now that, that, that things had gotten so bad, and I don't have time to, to, get, to delve really into all the history. I'm just simply trying to set context. The history of the Judges had gotten so bad that, that the star of the book of Judges is Samson. Now, as a kid, we kind of painted Samson as a great guy. But if you study the Bible carefully, you will see that Samson was a utter failure. He never lived up to what God. Oh, help us in here today. There's some folk in here right now who have made excuses long enough as to why you are not what God would want you to be. But I've got a word for you today. There is never an excuse for failure and mediocrity so long as you are and walking in the will of God. Samson hated the restraints and the confines of the calling of God on his life. And the story of Samson was this: he went out as he always did and did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. And it gets worse. Can I just tell you a little story, real quick? It gets worse. Keep holding. Oh, help me God. Help, help me to preach this today. It gets to a place now where there's a story in Judges 19. And the story is of a priest and his concubine. Now, that, that should have made somebody blush just a little bit. Last time I checked, a preacher ought not have a concubine. Amen, somebody. But stuff had gotten so bad in, the, in, in Israel that priests were now taking unto themselves wives and girlfriends. It sounds like 2012. Well, there is much compromise and rebellion in the people of God. Everybody's talking about how bad the world is. And guess what? The only reason why the world can be this bad is because the church has not been as good as it's supposed to be. When right, I'm telling you right now. When righteousness is present, evil can't stay there forever. Have you ever been someplace where where you know the folk around you did not really accept the same values as you and they were just simply uncomfortable with your lifestyle? I don't know about you, but they won't stay there. After a while, they can't stand the fact that you won't talk about other folk with them. After a while, they will not agree with the fact that you're not a gossiper. They can't get down with the fact that you don't use filthy language. They just don't understand why you don't cheat on your wife like everybody else does at the job. And so they get uncomfortable. uh, maybe ain't no righteous folk in here that will talk back to me, but I'll just talk to somebody here today. They will get uncomfortable. Uh, sin is uncomfortable in the presence of righteousness. God has a concubine, and the story says he takes his girlfriend on a trip to go worship. This is Judges now. <laughs> and they had no king, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. As they were traveling, uh, it got late that night. And in those days, because there was no electricity, when the sun went down, that's when you went to bed. Come on, say amen. amen. And so they came to the city gate of a place called Gibeah. Gibeah was was where the Benjamites or it was a tribe of God's people that lived there. Now, watch the story? The story says that at first they said, let's. Stay in in Jerusalem. At this time, Jerusalem was not inhabited by God's people. So notice their rationale. Their rationale was, no, we won't stay there because there are wicked people there. And if there are wicked people there, our safety might be at stake. Follow this now. So they avoided going where the world was because they wanted to make sure that they were safe. So they decided to spend the night in Gibeah. When they got to Gibeah, the custom of that day was is you would go to the city square They were much more hospitable than we are. When you got to the city square, somebody would be there waiting on you, and they would simply say, do you need some place to stay for the night? There were no hotels in that day. Somebody would just come out and say, do you need some place to stay? And it was so common that that you would not struggle to find some place to stay, especially because these were believers, especially because these were those who love God. I want to just pause here parenthetically and say this. Another example that the church has gone south is not only is there sexual immorality in the church amongst leaders and amongst members. But the second thing that we see is that we also see a lack of love and hospitality now we love to talk about the sex problem in church but nobody wants to talk about mean people in the church oh come on talk to me in here now uh, it is a sin to not speak to somebody when they come in your house come on in here somebody and, and, the, in, and the inhospitableness of that culture was so disgusting that what I'm going to tell you is going to shock your senses the story says that night they were looking for somebody to take them home. It was nightfall. It was dark and nobody came out. Eventually, an old man came out and he says, uh, do you need some place to stay? They said, yes, we do. He said, but listen, don't worry. He said, we got our own food and stuff. We just need some place to lay our heads. We're on our way to worship. The story says this. You already to get you ready to get your mind blown. You ready? Watch this. This happened in God's place. The story says that that night, as this kind gentleman took them home, there was a knock on the door a few minutes later. It was not a knock that said, let us come in and enjoy the fellowship. But the knock said this, let out your guest mail so that we might have sex with him. This is not Sodom and Gomorrah's story. We're talking about Judges 19 and 20 and 21. The men were, were inflamed with demonic lust. They did not want the woman. They wanted the man. Now look how twisted God's people's thinking had become. The owner of the house said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. But instead, you can have my daughters. Uh, I've heard some scholars try to twist it and say, you know, it was a thing of hospitality. You never disrespect a man. Brothers and sisters, this is nothing more than an explanation of how wicked we become when God no longer is in charge. And brother said, hey, take my daughters. The priest said, I won't have that. He says, You can have my girlfriend. Do with her as you please. The Bible says they gang raped her. The Bible says they gang raped her all night long. I'm, this is not pastoral hyperbole. They raped her all night long, the word says. Then when they were finished with her like a piece of meat or trash, they threw her at the threshold of the door. And when now now here's what blows my mind, when the man of God walked out and saw the body of his concubine, There was no sensitivity in his spirit to even ask her or see if she was okay. My question is, listen, how come you didn't go out there and look for her when she was out there being ravished? But his conscience and the people of God's conscience had become so seared. The story says when her body was laid there, he simply told her to get up. Story says she did not get up. So he picked her up, realized she was dead, put her on his donkey, and continued his journey as if she went out to a store and came home. Now watch this. Because he was personally insulted, he then took her body and he cut it up, dismembered it. Have y'all read this before? Dismembered it in 12 pieces and then mailed it to all the tribes of Israel. What happened after that, there was a civil war that ensued, and notice the end of Judges. In the beginning of Judges, Garvey, the Bible says they were supposed to be destroying the Canaanites. At the end of the book of Judges, this is what happens in your life when God is not the head of your life. You start off seeking God, but as compromise continues, you will end up... I know this to be true. You will end up doing the things that you said you'd never do. That's why I always tell people, you better be careful about what you said you'll do and what you won't do. Don't you stand around here with your nose in the air and act like you are above anything. I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I've done things that I thought I'd never do. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank him for his compassion. The Bible says that his compassions fail not, that new every morning, great is the Lord's faithfulness, if it had not been for the Lord. And watch this now, I'm just, I'm I'm simply just trying to set uh, the table, I'm trying to set the table for this issue of parenting. I'm doing the best that I can. just, just, Just work with me for a minute. They started off trying to inhabit the land. And fight their enemies. Now, they're fighting one another. It got so bad. You got to read it. I can't. I I don't got time to get all into it today. It got so bad, uh, uh, Julius, that they literally almost wiped out the entire tribe of Benjamin. And that's the third sin that I'm noticing in the body of Christ. Not only is there sexual immorality. Not only is there... uh, uh, what was the second point I made? huh? Lack of love and hospitality. But the, the, natural, the natural result of those things is that there is infighting in the body of Christ. Now, 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 now let's just talk for a minute here. This was, and I, this is all I'm trying to say. I'm just doing the best I can with the homiletics that I know. Is that this simply was the, you got to understand context. This was the context. Or the environment. Somebody say environment. This was the environment, Nikki, in which Samuel was born. Do you follow what I'm saying? A lot of times we assume that biblical characters were born in the good days. And see, what I'm about to tell you is going to bless somebody today. Because what I've been teaching over the past couple of weeks is that in order to raise godly children... You first must understand that you cannot control their destiny. And so if you cannot control them, all you can do, according to Scripture, is obey God. Somebody say obey God. Now watch this here. Everybody get this here. If you have children, if you're around children, if you know what kids smell like, if you had a child yourself, if you got nieces and nephews, if if you were a child. Hear me on this. God never told us, get your kids into heaven. That's right. God told us, obey me, and then I will be responsible for the results. See, I've discovered that many of us are trying very desperately to do the work that God himself can do. Oh, can I free somebody in here today? Do you realize that your father, three in one, lost children, and they were in the perfect environment? So who do you think you are that if you just put rules down their throat and, and simply just instruct them and, and simply just teach them and, and if you send them to Rhema and if you send them to AY, but, but you yourself don't live a life that is pleasing to God. And this is the point I made to you, and I'm going to make it plain, very plain. I don't have my board, so I feel naked today. I, know I, like to write, I like to write stuff. But see, many of us have been bent on instruction And we have been weak on inspiration. We like to feed the mind, but we don't know how to inspire the soul. Deuteronomy 6, I don't have time to go there, but you know that has been our solution text. What? How do I create conditions? Somebody shout conditions. Understand now? The responsibility of a parent, uh, of a grandparent, is simply of a church, of a school, is to create the right conditions so that a child can grow in the fear of God. You can't control the outcome. You can't determine how they're going to end up. And you ain't sweating that. As a matter of fact, your goal in life is not to reproduce them and make them like you. Your goal, y'all not hear me here. Your goal in life is not to reproduce little mini me's your goal in life is simply to obey God and do what God told you to do in terms of setting the right conditions because if a plant is in the right conditions if it's rained on if it gets sunshine if it gets the right soil how many know it will grow so here it is Uh, Ah, help me God today we do well at instruction but we're poor at inspiration Deuteronomy says, love the Lord your God. It tells us how to raise our kids. The scripture is clear on this. It didn't say raise your kids the way your mama did. Right? That's right. Amen. And by the way, most of the studies say that most parents raise their children the way they were raised. Amen. One size don't fit all. Amen. And, and it bears, it bears. Well, let me go on. I got, I got other offensive stuff in here, so you got to pick and choose what the thing. okay so um, love the Lord your God with all your heart follow me now put that on the screen Deuteronomy 6 and I believe that's verse four I believe that's verse four Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4 uh, love watch me now love the Lord your God with all your with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your what Now, that's the first responsibility of anybody that leads children, parents, anybody. If you got kids, God says, the first thing I want you to do is not tell them right from wrong. The first thing I want you to do is not tell them not to cross into the street without looking both ways. The first thing I want you to do is not tell them not to lie and not to steal and not to be disrespectful. As a matter of fact, you cannot teach those things unless you do that first. That's right. The first responsibility of a parent or somebody that leads children, oh thank God is freeing me today, is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Now watch the next step. You cannot go to the next step unless you are in love with God. And I said on Wednesday night, there are many of us who are in love with church more than we are in love with God. That's yes. Y'all remember that sermon I preached a little while ago that said you got to hate your mama? Yes. Yes. The Bible says you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your mother, your father. And the point we simply were making there was our love for God in comparison to our love for others, our love for others should look like hate compared to our love for God. Amen. In other words, God doesn't want no competition. Come on, talk to me in here. This thing is very simple. It is very simple. God says, be in love with me. Be passionate about me. Be more passionate about me than you are about anything else. Be so in love with me that you can do this. Go to the next uh, text. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be in your what? All right, now watch the next text. Go to the verse of the next text. It says, then do what? Okay, I'm telling you right now. Point number one, how do you raise kids? First, love God. Second point is impress. The word impress means to inspire. Notice God does not tell us first to instruct. You know why? Because kids, uh, Rocky, kids do not learn. You know this, everybody knows. Kids don't learn so much by what you say. Kids learn by what you do. You can say to your blue in the face, Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. You can make a rap out of it. Come on in here. You can make a song out of it. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. But guess what, everybody? If you simply, (laughs) thank you. If you simply just instruct that, how many know? We've told a bunch of our girls that what the African-American community has 70% of its homes with single parents, mothers. So there's something wrong. You know what the problem is? We've done well with instructing. Don't do this. Don't do that. But we've done poorly with inspiration. Let me give you an example. For example, I mean, just, uh, I, you know, I, again, I can, I can I'm in, I'm doing this insanity thing. So that's the only thing I can think about. And so this thing is actually kicking my behind up one side and down the other. It's a serious workout. Oh, man. I mean, he, and he does not lie to you. On the the infomercials, he tells you, I am going to whoop your butt. When you turn the video on, he says, are you ready to get your butt kicked today? See, you know how there's some videos that says, listen, all you got to do is put in this little bit of effort and you'll be like this. No, they don't tell you that on Insanity. And Insanity, they tell you, oh, I'm going to kill you today. But guess what? After I kill you, you're going to become just like me. But one of the things I noticed about the video is they always point the camera on people who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. There are some slackers on the video, some folks who are tired and worn out. That's, and, and I'm telling you, that's my wife. Sometimes when we're working out, man, and we're just doing, we're doing these workouts, I mean, you're worn out and you're like doing that thing. And then, and then the camera, by mistake, and it is by mistake, will show you a picture of somebody who's like, <laughs> and you know what I do? Whether I'm tired or not, I stop. Now, even though Sean T is saying, keep going, you got to work, you got to dig deeper, work, dig deeper, it doesn't matter what he says, I'm going to emulate what I say. That's right, Pastor. That's right. right. And what causes me to want to work harder is when I see them working harder. When I see the guy that's not, and I love these new videos now, you know the old videos back in the day, that everybody would be be buffed. But they got real life people in there now. I mean, they got one guy in the video that has that. He was an amputee. And, and, he's, and, I mean, and I'm just like, these are real folk. And when you see somebody like that fighting through it, when you see somebody like that pushing their way through it, then you say to yourself, I got to push my way through it. I got to fight my way through it. I got to do my thing through this thing. And he's saying, work. It's not just what he's saying. It's what I'm seeing. And this is the thing that we are poor at in the body of Christ. We don't know how to live a life of godliness that motivates our kids to want what we have. Let's be honest. They have not rejected God. They have rejected the God that we've shown them. You can't reject that kind of God. I'm telling you, if you see God the way he really is, you cannot reject him. There's something about unconditional love that I don't care who you are is attractive but, but we need to do a better job at living a life that motivates our kids. In other words, I want my kids to look at my life and say, I know my dad is not perfect. I know he hasn't done everything right, but I love his sincerity. I love his humility. I love the fact that he falls down when he gets up. I appreciate when my dad apologizes to me for doing things he shouldn't. I love the fact that my father will wake up early in the morning and I will hear him calling my name in prayer. I thank God that my father is not just a disciplinarian, but he knows how to love me when I fall down and hurt myself. There's something about his walk with God that makes me want to have it. I understand what he says, but I love what he does. I know he preaches well, but I more I love him more when he's at home because the preacher is cool but I love my daddy who's at home who knows how to tell the truth when he's supposed to who will keep his own rules and not just say do as I say don't do as I do see God is looking for parents to be the first line of defense against the devil and the way you block him is by living a life of real Christianity Here's, this is my philosophy. You can't guarantee anybody to go to heaven. But I'm telling you, there's something about being inspired. Has anybody ever done anything that you never thought you could do? How did you do that? Something inspired you to do it. See, you had always known you were supposed to do it, but why didn't you do it when you knew you were supposed to do it? Because there was no motivation to get you to do what you were supposed to do. And I think that's the missing link in our parental experience. There are a couple of points I want to make, then I'm going to close out with Hannah and show you why her experience is an example to us of an inspirational adult. All right? Very quickly, there are four levels that most families operate on. Number one, survival. These are the folk that will stay on food stamps for five generations. They do not see it as a bridge. They do not see it as a temporary necessity. But they love being the one who accepts handouts. I'm telling you now, I don't want to linger here. But there are some of us, there are some folk, I'm just going to tell you now, parents, there are some folk, adults, you know what I'm telling you, there are some folk who just in some areas... Especially if, in areas of slowfulness. Slowfulness has got to be one of the most paralyzing things that you can have. And we have whole generations of families that are just cool with just living check to check and going to rent a center. And, 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 and going to the check cashing place and and, 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 and rent loan places and, and cy- I know what I'm talking about. And there's cycles and cycles. This is just money. There's cycles. Of, and then there's the survival ones who simply just have to have somebody. If it's not a, if it's not a, uh, being in the bed of every woman, it's having a man coming in and out of the house. And, and, and you know, they call him uncle. And, and, and the husband, the father calls the the, the girlfriends that come in uh, your auntie. And, and there's just this cycle of going from relationship to relationship. Because the parents are trying to survive, and they, and they impress that on their children as that being the standard of what life is all about. Do you realize in this community, and this is why we're doing what we're doing, this is why I'm so excited about Ashley Rushton getting her GED, because that's a cycle that is broken. See, one of the things you have to understand, people, they say that the average, uh, in the average inner city, the average child does not go more than seven blocks out of their neighborhood. One of the reasons why people live in survival mode is because they never they never get exposure. That's right. That's right. Bye bye, bye bye, brother. My brother. Yes. Well, I thought we were worse than Jehovah. God bless you. We talked before, man. The guy just won't get past the Jehovah thing. But we will pray for him. Amen. God bless. Father, I just pray that you bless that brother. The Holy Ghost was laying some serious word down and he found the right time to come cut in. But God, we're, we're grown enough and we've been in the city long enough to know that this happens. So we're going to move past this thing. Somehow you're going to remind me of what I was talking about and we're going to get in the word. Oh, I got it. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, the first level is a level of survival. Somebody shout survival. Uh, the next level, and this is the step up, is stability. Uh, See, uh, once you finally got out of survival, some people are cool with just being in a stable place. And then the next level is success. Now, here's the thing most of us as families, and I just want to make this point very quick and I want to move on. Most of us want success for our children. That's a wrong desire. Come on, Pastor. Break it down. Break that one down. That's a low standard. And I gave the illustration. Some of us are just so, oh, my son is a doctor. But is he making a difference? That's right. that's right. that's right. And I told. And the example I used was Gabby Douglas. We talked about that. She's right in our face. And you have to understand her upbringing. This sister, uh, listen, uh, Tim Tebow, these people that we see who are on primetime, look, man, their parents have trained them that football, gymnastics is just, you know, that's just, that's just something you're in. But the goal of life for Gabby was not to win gold, but was for her to take that microphone and say it was God. See, now, now let me explain this to you. It's hard to impress the next level. The next level is significance. There's survival, stability, success, and significance. We need to be raising our children to become significant and not become successful. See, significance is based on mission. Success is based on selfishness. We're good if they got his and her BMWs. Oh, we're fine with that. Oh, how's your son doing? Oh, he's doing well. He's working down there at the Cleveland Clinic. He's the main doctor on floor such and such. Oh, I'm so proud of the boy. But he goes to the club. He, uh, he 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 has no committed relationships because he's in and out of every woman's bed. And all you're doing is shouting around that he's making good money. Well, I got news for you: people that make money kill themselves. People that make money don't know how to pay their rent. Just because you make money, don't know you know what to do with money. And I believe that every blessing that God gives us is a blessing that we use in order to enhance his kingdom. And I'm not raising Taylor and Camden simply to just make me look good and make me proud. What I want my kids to do is get to a place where their only concern is how might I lift up Jesus? Yes. I mean, for real. Is that it? Is that all we want? It's simply just for them to make us look good. No, oh, come on. I mean, really. How long is that gonna last? Not too long. That's right. Not too long. That's That's long. Right. You look good in that castle. Understand? The desire of a Christian is exclusively to bring glory to God. Yeah. Now I have got to say this again, and I want—I need mean this when I say this. If my son comes and tells me. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to start my own janitorial business. God is leading me to do it. That's right. I have done my job. You know why? Because he gets it. There are some folk who have more and they don't get it. By the way, let me throw this out here to you. If you're passionate about something... It will make income for you. See, the reason why many of us are living check to check is because we're doing only what we have to do. But if you get to a point where you do what you love to do, what you've been called to do, then the Lord will open up doors that no man can shut. I'm a living witness in here. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about in here? But understand this now. For a season, sometimes, in order to do what you want to do, you gotta do what you don't want to do. Yes. And so, you gotta help your, this, this younger generation. I, I'm reading a book right now called uh, um, "You Lost Me," and it's about our, it's about this new generation of young people. And it says they are the most intelligent generation of all time. They have the highest uh, IQ of all time, but they are more emotionally unstable kids now than in every other generation. The other thing it goes on to say is that they are very. What's the word I'm looking for? They, they, They they don't. They change jobs all the time. They change relationships all the time. See, they're not really committed to anything. And, you know, we say these young folk these days, they ain't committed to nothing. Well, back in our day, we were so committed. All oh, those days, they were so good. So let me ask you a question. So how did they become uncommitted? Where did that come from? You're saying it just came from the devil out of, out of hell and just made a, a whole generation of uncommitted kids. No, 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 no. We impressed lack of commitment on them. So I'm ending here. What do you what do you, what do you do? Here's a question. What do you do? I'm gonna help somebody. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What do you do when your environment is not fa- does not present favorable conditions? Here's my point. Everybody does not live in a two-family home, where the husband is a preacher, and the wife loves the Lord, and the kid and the kids go to Christian school. Some of us are living hell-lish situations. Let me, let me say this. I'm going I'm to I'm be done. God specializes. What I'm about to do right now is remove the excuse of I am the way I am because of my environment. That's right. God specializes in pulling diamonds out of mud. That's right. Pastor. You know what I'm talking about. We serve a God who actually enjoys beating the odds. I'm helping somebody here today. Our God takes much pleasure and glory out of taking nothing. Out of nothing. And everybody in the nothing life saying they're going to be nothing. And the only thing they breathe is nothing. And the only motivation they get is nothing. And the daddy is nothing. And the mama is nothing. And the church is nothing. And the culture is nothing. If I read Genesis, do we not serve a God when he first introduced himself? He introduced himself as the God that specializes with taking nothing and making something. The Bible says that he stepped out on nothingness. There was no air there was no light and he did not have to work at it see our god is too cool for that he simply said to nothing listen here nothing i'm tired of seeing nothing there i've got news for you let there be light boom and there was light oh with my mouth i will divide firmament under the earth from firmament above you with my mouth I will declare that even though your daddy was a rolling stone and your mama didn't know how to get out and your cousins weren't no good for nothing i am the god thank you jesus that will pull you out of whatever you're in and i actually like doing it because the greater the testimony the greater the glory the worse the situation the more my power can be revealed. The word of God says, in my weakness, he is made strong. Give me your mess. Give me your sin. Give me your family. Give me your generational curses. Give me your lying tongue. Give me your manipulative spirit. Give me your fornicating mind and I will take you as you are. I'll pick you up. Come on in here. I'll turn you around. Isn't that what the old folks say? I'll place your nasty teeth on solid ground. If you know that he will, somebody say Yes. He specializes. So... So, back to Hannah. I don't have... You go, you go and study. You get in the Word. You go study. But one of the things you'll discover about Hannah, her husband, Elkanah, was a good man. He made bad decisions. He did not trust God. He went and got him another wife. But I just want to help somebody today. This is going to bless somebody. You can do bad stuff but not be a bad person. That's right. That's right. That's right, That's right. That's right pastor. That's do not right. let people label you because you did something. Oh, That's right. come on in here. That's right. That's right. Do not label yourself because you did something. That's right. Elkanah and Hannah and Penina mm-hmm. were a godly family that had issues. Yes, yes. Am I right? Amen. Is, can you relate to them? Yeah. That was a little weak in here. Come on. You know. Can you relate to them? You know. I think maybe before we even get the rest of this message, we need to admit it. Yeah. Can... I ain't saying you got a panina in your house, but you got something like a panina. See, everybody has something in their house that they don't want nobody else to know about. Okay, let me preach to this side over here. Y'all, y'all, y'all will be honest. Everybody has problems. You're good people. You're good people. You love the Lord, but you got issues. And I know, because I'm asking myself this question with all the junk that I have passed down to my kids. See, we think when these kids are born that they're born uh, on an open slate. Oh, honey, child, let me tell you, they got all of our stuff, Dolly, all of it. And I told you that weakness in one generation is wickedness in the next generation. I'm scared about that thing. But the Lord said, trust me, Myron. He said, you hold on to me. He said, because I specialize in taking a daddy who struggled with stuff himself, and then I will break the cycle. Ah, yeah. If you teach him how to have relationship more than rules, there will come a day where he will choose me. And when he chooses me, he will get the rule. And when he gets the rule, he will have victory. How many know what I'm talking about in here? And so, and so, and so, this is where I am with this thing. I'm like, Lord, have mercy, my kids gonna have my stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? I'm a good man. I ain't gonna let nobody tell me I'm a good man. I love my wife. I love my children. I love the Lord. Am I perfect? No. No, I'm not perfect. Have I, have I, have I messed up? Yes. But, here, but here's the good news. Yes, If I love God, If I impress it upon my children, then God says he will contend with those that contend with you and he will save our children. Now, let me show you how it's done. I I can't get into the text. So the Bible says that Hannah was in this relationship thing where she has a preacher husband and he's got a a woman living there and and they got kids and, and this woman is mean and nasty. And she's always teasing her about how her belly, how her womb has been has been closed. And and the Bible says this goes on year after year after year after year. And she had gotten to a place where she said I had enough. She didn't say she had enough with them. She said I had enough with not seeking my God. And the Bible says I got one point today. The Bible says that she began to pray. Yeah. It says it five times, Sister Conwell. Over and over again, it just kept saying she was praying. She prayed she, in anguish of soul. She was praying so tough one time that Eli came in there and said, homegirl is drunk. And she said, no, 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 i know, what wicked woman. I understand here that I'm desperate for a move of God. And I'm here now to seek him. And notice what her motivation was. She said, give me a child so that I might give him back to you. That's she wanted. There you go. I'm done here. Here it goes. And you know Samuel was raised in a home that was dysfunctional. He then was sent. Now I don't have time to preach this. Now let me just throw it out here. Samuel was sent to live at the house of God. Christian education. And he was sent there. At 12 years old, that's okay. right. She gave that boy up. Yes, some of us trying to hold on too long. Now watch this, and I told you if you do your work in the first seven years. That's right. That's it. That's it. That's it. Quick, quick story. I'm sorry. I digress. Let me just say this. I remember when I first got hired, the pastor in, uh, in in South Central Conference and. I probably shouldn't have said the conference, but anyway. So when I, when I was there, my I end up had, we had children back to back. I wasn't like Hannah. I wasn't praying for him, It just happened. Come on in here. It just happened. I had kids back to back, right? Back to back. Our kids are like a, a year apart, eighteen months apart. Back to back, and, and 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 somebody got to me. His name was T. Marshall Kelly. T. Marshall Kelly said he said, listen. He said the brethren are going to try to make you desire to be a successful pastor in the eyes of the brethren. More than you are a successful husband and father. He says, You have seven years with these kids. Yes. Then they're going to school. He says, Make it count in seven years. Yes. Yes. So I had one one administrator tell me, A pastor better not be found at home with his kids during the week. Now, let me tell you what I did. I ain't saying what everybody else did. We said, Somebody gonna stay at home. Now, I just happened to have a job, but I had flexibility. And don't, and don't trip. I got my work done. I got pastor of the year babysitting my kids and pastoring my church. Don't listen. If you obey God, He'll take care of your employees. But, 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 but I have a relationship with my kids now because I was not the absent father trying to impress all the members in the first seven years. That's right. Hannah did her work so that, watch this, so that she sent this boy away to work in the temple. Now, when the boy got to the temple, you would think that the temple is a holy place. Read, Read the Bible. The Bible says that the two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, were sleeping with the women and they were stealing the money. Now, can I blow your mind for a minute? A little 12-year-old boy never compromised, even though his superiors and the people with the strongest influence on his life were walking around, sleeping with women, and stealing money. Why didn't he fall susceptible? You know why? Number one, because he had a praying mother. Number two, because his mother trained him to serve God in the little things. And if you serve God in the little things, then you won't, you won't disobey God in the big things. And and this is mind blowing. This kid held fast to God in the middle of bedlam and sin in the house of God. What am I saying? The conditions don't have to be perfect. Your God just has to be perfect. I'm done. Father in heaven. Father in heaven right now. The enemy is right now is trying to put seeds of hopelessness in our heart concerning children that, that we did not necessarily create the proper conditions for. But Father, the good news is where sin abounds, grace does much more. My first appeal today is if, if by the grace of God, if by the grace of God, you have come out of great tribulation and the Lord has done something in your life and you just want to stand and bear witness of his goodness I want you to stand right now you know what I'm talking about you don't got to say amen just stand up you know what he can do now here's my next appeal are, are there any adults in here who have children or you're a teacher or you are I don't know what What's your position you? is or you work with young people or you are aunt, your uncle you are a grandparent and, and by the grace of God you want, you want to change your perspective and you, you want for your children what God wants for them and, and that's for them to become purposeful in their life. And so check this out. I got an uncle of mine. He came, through, he came through yesterday. He's got three kids. Four kids. One at Oakwood. Three at Pine Forge. I said, how did you get him into Pine Forge? I said, how much was it? He said, man, I had to give them $8,000 to get them in. I said, man, I know that's hurting you. He said, no. He said, what would hurt me is if I did not obey God with my children. He said, Myron, all I can tell you, he says, you know, I don't got no money. But all I can tell you is that the Lord will provide when your commitment is to do right by your kids, not based on what you want to do, but based on what I have for them.